0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 21st, 2018. And it's an exciting slate because the Grizzlies are back. you excited about that, Matt?
1: Very excited to figure out what the Grizzlies are going to do tonight.
0: Yeah, well, at least the one benefit we have is that the Grizzlies are the first game of the slate. Well, in theory, it should be a benefit, except it was the first game of the slate last time when Tyreek Evans got scratched prior to the game uh marcus soul was out last game he practiced today he's listed as probable for tomorrow tyreek evans I, I don't really know what to make of his status he's not on the injury report except he wasn't on the injury report last game and he was just inactive so there was no real reason for him sitting out it was just tanking and they didn't really care to give a reason uh, they're playing a game in philly philly's one of the better defenses in the league i think that the grizzlies with everybody healthy now because they do have andrew Harrison back um they have Chandler Parsons playing now, Wayne Seldon's playing. I think it's easy enough to avoid them. It's a bad matchup. There's not a lot of value there. I'm not going to bank on Tyree Gevins or Marcus Sol sitting unless we know that for sure early in the day. So I'm good with staying away from them. From the Sixers side of the game, a little bit of a down-paced matchup. And, you know, Simmons and Embiid are both playing well recently. But I think there's going to be better guys to target at what their prices are.
1: Yeah, the problem for Embiid is that if Marc Gasol plays, it's a tough individual matchup, and if Gasol sits, then there's just a lot of blowout risk, so I think it kind of just makes those guys a little unusable anyway. Simmons at 9000 is probably a little pricey. Embiid at 9700 I think, is generally a good price for him, but it's either going to be blowout risk or a bad matchup, or I guess a combination of both, so I'm, I'm fine with just fading this game completely.
0: I am on board with that. Uh, next game, we have the Toronto Raptors, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Something to watch out for with the Raptors is I, I think they're going to be resting guys a decent amount down the stretch. We saw a couple games ago they rested Kyle Lowry. Tonight they rested DeMar DeRozan. So tomorrow for the tail end of a back-to-back, my gut feeling is that Serge Ibaka is going to be resting in this game. That, that's really just – I'm not basing that on anything other than kind of intuition and looking at the patterns for other resting people. But I, I do feel that there's a pretty good chance that the Raptors rest somebody and that could open up value. Uh, other thing to watch out for, Fred Van Fleet is questionable tomorrow. So if he's out and they rest somebody else, there could be some bench guys who end up with value. Um, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, 7,800 and 8,000 plus matchup for them against the Cavs. I think both of them are fine plays, assuming they're playing. Uh, DeRozan should definitely be playing because he rested Monday night or Tuesday night DeRozan rested. So if either of them rested, it would be Lowry, not DeRozan. Uh, hard to really definitively say who's in play for the Raptors because I do think there's some variability to it. From the Cleveland side of the game, I think LeBron is always fine to pay up for. <laughs> right now the Cavs are really fighting for playoff position. LeBron's playing out of his mind recently. Uh, Cavs are dealing with a bunch of injuries right now. Larry Nance already been rolled out. Rodney Hood is now questionable for tomorrow. Tristan Thompson is questionable. Kevin Love is back for the Cavs at 6,400. I think he's a really good play. So a lot of people might look at his last game and say, oh, Kevin Love only played uh, 24 and a half minutes. So while that is true, he's only playing 28 minutes per game for the entire season. So he was almost at the regular minutes here he already plays anyway. So 6,400, he was priced around 8,000 or so before getting hurt. There's a lot of value to the price tag, and I'm not really too concerned about the minutes.
1: Yeah, Kevin Love is a good play if he's playing anything more than probably the same 24 minutes he got last game. Maybe he plays 30 minutes. The Cavs do have a bit different of a roster construction right now. It would be a boost to Kevin Love, too, if Tristan Thompson is out. I think he is questionable to come back for this game, and Larry Nance has already ruled out. If both guys aren't there, Kevin Love probably has to play extra minutes, but maybe not. Who knows? Either way, he's a little underpriced, so I think he's a good play. LeBron makes sense to use, especially if you're going with somewhat of a game stack here. Um, Lowry and DeRozan are probably both about fairly priced, but if someone like Ibaka sits, then I think it probably makes a few other guys on Toronto good plays. Van Vliet would also open up more minutes for DeLon Wright. We could probably speculate a little bit on how Van Vliet being out might lead to more of a minutes floor for Lowry and DeRozan, but I think that would be a small impact anyway. Um, I guess the, the big thing if Ibaka's out is... Someone like Pascal Siakam or Jacob Hurdle, one of them, would probably play extra. Maybe both of them would play extra. And it could be a few extra minutes for Jonas Valanciunas, too. Um, so if anyone on Toronto is out, then I think it's a pretty stackable game. And if no one's out, then I think it's just Kevin Love and maybe some LeBron.
0: Yeah, and it's also just such a good matchup for the Raptors because the Cavs played a fast pace and they've just been bad on defense. So that figures to be the best stack spot on the slate, to depending on how everything else shapes up. Uh, Next game we have here, the New York Knicks at the Miami Heat. From the Knicks side of the game, a little bit of a tough matchup here playing in Miami. There should also be a good amount of blowout risk here because the Knicks have been awful recently. Uh, uh, The Knicks have Courtney Lee back now, Lance Thomas. So in a tough game in Miami, I'm off the Knicks. I think that they're fadeable. It's a lot of minutes being spread around. They also have a ton of point guards on the roster which is an issue for figuring out minutes from the Miami side of the game. Uh, Let's see. We have, I like Josh Richardson in this spot at 5,300. It's a little hard to look at the minutes from the last game for Miami because it went to double overtime. So that skews everything. But Josh Richardson played 41 minutes. So even if we take away the 10 minutes of overtime, he would have been at 31 minutes. And, $5,300 5300 is just a little bit cheaper than what he's been for a lot of the season. And then, of course, we still have Hassan Whiteside and Dwayne Wade
1: both out. Well, with Whiteside out, it's a boost to both offenses, as we've said. So I don't really think it's that bad of a matchup for the Knicks. The problem is we're just looking at a lot of fair pricing. So I'm okay with someone like Tim Hardaway Jr. for his upside. Definitely not a safe play. But the Knicks are kind of in an average spot, I think, at average pricing. And there just should be better spots to target Yeah, the the Heat situation coming off the overtime game, the double overtime game, um, you would think their prices would be inflated more. I think their ownership could be inflated. Maybe Kelly Olenek because he was so good. A lot of that was overtime, but he was playing well anyway. Um, I don't really think Kelly Olenek is that good of a play, but maybe Josh Richardson and Ellington. Yeah, I think those two guys are probably good targets. Um, I guess Whiteside and Wade haven't been ruled out, right? They're just both doubtful or Whiteside's doubtful?
0: Uh uh, I think, I think they're both doubtful.
1: Yeah, I guess we don't really have to worry about either of them playing. Um, and Bam has gotten a little expensive too, so maybe it is just Josh Richardson. I think Ellington is a decent play because he comes off the bench, and there's probably some blowout risk in this game. But he w- he would get some of those garbage time minutes, if not all of them. The Heat are pretty shorthanded without weight and Whiteside, so they don't really have like a third unit of backups to take out their first string backups for. I think they would probably let. Guys like Bam and Wayne Ellington play garbage time, and Ellington's pretty cheap, so in a good matchup against the Knicks, I think I'm fine with him also.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the other thing I'd throw in, and I think that you'd probably agree with this, I think there's a lot of guys we could justify playing on Miami, but I probably wouldn't put too many of them in a lineup together.
1: Yeah, this is definitely not a game-stack spot because the minutes are so unpredictable on both sides, but I think there are maybe four or five players in this game that are worth having some exposure to, but I wouldn't want to have more than, let's say, two of them in any lineup.
0: All right, moving ahead, the Charlotte Hornets at the Brooklyn Mets. From the Hornets' side of the game, Nicholas Batum is still out. Jeremy Lamb at 5,400. I still think that's a bit too cheap for him overall as a starter this year. Let's see, I think he's made, what is it, 15 starts, and he's playing uh, 15 starts, 31 minutes per game. 30 minutes, 30 fantasy points per start, really strong play at 5,400 against the Nets. Uh, Kemba Walker and Dwight Howard, I I think, are both just a bit too expensive, so that would keep me off of them. From the Nets side of the game, the minutes are a bit more spread out now because we have uh, Alan Crabb is back. He was injured for a while. Ronda Hollis-Jefferson's playing a more prominent role now. The, the guy that I would still want to roster is D'Angelo Russell for the upside. We've seen him have some really big games this year, particularly in first quarters. The last game he had a shitty first quarter and was good the rest of the game. But at 6,900, I'm fine with rostering D'Angelo Russell, who's had a ton of games over 40 fantasy points recently.
1: Yeah, I think this game is pretty simple. I think it's just Lamb and Russell because Kemba and Dwight are priced pretty high up there now. Uh, Ronda Hollis-Jefferson, I think, is a little expensive, too. And Spencer Dinwiddie's price has come down, but his starting role is gone. i um, just looking at his game log to see how many minutes he's played recently. He's still playing 20, high 20s minutes. He's gotten over 30 a couple times off the bench. Maybe that goes down a little bit with Alan Crabb there. Um, but I think Dinwiddie could be worth a fly or two. Definitely not in the same lineup as D'Angelo Russell because there's definitely negative correlation there with Russell starting and Dinwiddie kind of being his direct backup. But I think Dinwiddie is sort of an okay play. Um, definitely prefer to Lamb and Russell, though.
0: I think the issue I just have with Dinwiddie is... So, I did not like Dinwiddie at all last year. And he's very much improved this year. I rostered Dinwiddie a lot this season. at uh, Particularly when Russell first got hurt. We were really targeting Dinwiddie and using him a lot. I, I think his shooting percentages are a little bit unsustainable. What he was doing early in the year... And I think that now that we've seen some regression and that's just led to poor fantasy games for his price. So if you look at Dinwiddie's game log, the last time he scored 30 fantasy points was almost a month ago now. So looking at him in a fairly tough matchup at 5,600, I just question how much upside there is in him.
1: Yeah, he did have games, though, in February where he topped 40 a few times. I think two of the three were overtime games, so maybe that inflated But that
0: was also – Russell was hurt then.
1: Yeah, but he did do it a couple times in in lower minutes. Like, there's a 42-point fantasy game in there in only 25 minutes. He could still play 30-plus minutes with Russell there. Yeah, I guess I guess the upside does seem to be kind of capped, but I think there might be just a small amount of pricing value because this is about his lowest price point of the season, or at least in several months. But it's a bit of a reach, and we should have better value plays anyway.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't call him like, I mean, it's hard to call somebody who's not going to have ownership a fade, but as of now, I'll say he's not somebody I have a lot of interest in. Uh, next game here, we have the L.A. Clippers playing on the tail end of a back-to-back in Milwaukee. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's price has gone down a little bit. He was uh, a tad more expensive in recent games, but 7600 I think is a playable price for him against the Bucs, who struggled to defend centers. Uh, Tobias Harris to 7100 that's a little bit down for him, but I'm a bit concerned because he struggled on Tuesday night and is also questionable to play with, I think he had the flu, so... I think there's probably a pretty good chance he's not at 100%. Uh, if we find out that was the case tonight and he's still not totally healthy tomorrow, then I'd be off him. Uh, but it is a little cheap for him for what he's done since coming to the Clippers. From the Bucks side of the game, I think Giannis is a pretty good guy to pay up for at $11,100. Uh, I do prefer LeBron to Giannis, but I think Giannis is worth being in the player pool. And then uh, kind of a lot of fair pricing on everybody else from Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, this does seem like a pretty fair game. Tobias Harris, there's some concern there. Uh, this game, I guess, in theory, should be stackable because it probably will have about as high of a total as the Cavs game. I think we're looking at a 226 or so opening number. Cavs game, we don't have a line for yet. But it's a lot of fair pricing all around, and we do have some injury concerns with Tobias Harris. The second game of back-to-back for the Clippers. Jabari Parker actually played really well last game. Let me check his minutes. Um, he might have just done really well per minute and still not reach 30. I'm just waiting for this page to load. Uh, let's Wait, see.
0: Waiting for those minutes to go up.
1: Yeah, he he actually did see his minutes go back up to where they were a couple weeks ago at 25 because he had played in the low 20s for a few games. But we still haven't seen Jabari Parker reach 30 minutes. He's priced at 4500 though. Um, so that's a little bit lower than he had been. He was about 5000 for a while. I guess if we knew that Parker would play in the 25 to 28 minute range, I'd be fine with him, but we don't know that, so it's it just it's just kind of hard. I don't I don't know. He, there there's not there's just not that much upside. I mean, we could just guess that it's finally the game where he gets his minutes ceiling removed, but it just doesn't seem to be to be very likely. So I don't know. It's a it's just a tough situation, but I I do think Giannis is a good play.
0: Yeah, I mean, the issue I just have with with Parker as a play is. His best-case scenario is probably somewhere in the high 20 fantasy point range, just because the, the minutes upside isn't there, and I think I was expect I was definitely expecting it to go up, because there was a bunch of slates in a row where I was playing him, like, hey, this is going to be a slate, this is going to be a slate, and eventually I just looked at it as a sunk cost and stopped playing him, and now I just kind of take the angle of, I'm not going to play Jabari Parker until I see him at 30 or so minutes, because... I mean, other than that, if he's going to play even 26 minutes, he's scoring less than a fantasy point per minute. So the best-case scenario for him probably isn't even going to land him in a GPP winner right now. So if I see him get to 30 minutes and start targeting him, but I'm, I'm not sure that's going to happen at this point. So that is what has me off Jabari Parker at the moment. Uh, next game on the slate, Denver Nuggets at the Chicago Bulls. I think this is a really good spot for – Denver, they're they're really in desperation mode now. They're pretty unlikely to make the playoffs. I think I saw, maybe it was from 538 earlier, that they're at only a 14% chance to make the playoffs now. So it figures they have to play their key guys a lot of minutes now. Jokic at 9,600 in a plus matchup against the Bulls. He's, uh, I think of the expensive guys, he's my favorite for what his price is. Uh, Jamal Murray, I think, is playable. Gary Harris is still out, so that makes Will Barton in play. Uh, Wilson Chandler Paul Millsap I just kind of think those guys are okay but nothing too exciting from the Bulls side of the game we have Zach Levine is doubtful to play again Chris Dunn's already been ruled out and Laurie Markin is also doubtful so the minutes for the Bulls have been a little tricky recently because they were not trying to win their last game and it led to weird minutes breakdowns for some guys but I think that this is a game that you could stack and I think there is upside in guys like Cameron Payne, who I think probably has a fairly safe minutes floor, especially if Antonio Blakeney's ruled out he's been playing backup point guard. He's currently questionable. Uh, Bobby Portis' price has gone down to 6700 Definitely not a cash game play, but I think there's GPP upside. Same for Denzel Valentine and Cristiano Felizio who's played better as of late.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with just about all of that. Uh, one more player that potentially could be interesting. If Blakeney is out, or maybe even if he isn't, Jerry and Grant, who we saw priced in the 5,000s and maybe even higher than that for a while, is only at 3,400, and he's played 18 or 19 minutes the last two games. If, if the Bulls are shorthanded, I feel like Grant just has to play some number of minutes. Do you think it's possible he gets back into a regular rotation role? Because at nearly min-price, that seems like a really good value spot.
0: Uh, I think it's possible that he does, but I wouldn't put my money on it.
1: Well, if Blakeney's out, where do you think the Bulls go with their backcourt minutes?
0: I think Payne would just play a ton of minutes. Um, I think Valentine would play more also. Uh, I, is there is there even another random player? Uh, Justin Holiday
1: could play minutes again. Uh Paul Zipser could just play a lot at small forward, I guess. And David Nwaba's yeah, I mean, they there have, too. They have, they have a lot of options.
0: It's just a lot of shitty
1: options. Yeah, I don't think David Nwaba would be a bad play if Blakeney's out. His minutes That's are kind. Con- yeah, his minutes are all over the place. But Nwaba in 30 minutes is he's probably a better player than any of the other people we've mentioned, and he's had some big fantasy games. He he's at 4600 is the problem, um, but I, I don't have a problem with using him. Maybe Nwaba starts. I don't know. He he hasn't started in two games, but he was starting for a while before that. The bulls, the bulls are tough to figure out. So hopefully we can get a starting lineup. I guess we won't get one before lock. Uh, what time does this game start? It's an hour after lock. So it's possible, but this this is a pretty unclear situation. The Nuggets side is much more clear. Like we know that Jokic is going to play a lot, or at least we think we know Jokic is going to play a lot. Um, hopefully we get some more clarity on the Bulls side too.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I mean. Mike Malone is definitely a frustrating head coach from a DFS perspective, and I think there's probably a pretty good chance he gets fired if the Nuggets don't make the playoffs because the expectation was for them to be not like contenders in the West, but definitely improve this year and be a playoff team at a minimum after they signed Paul Millsap and just didn't happen. And I think some of the way that he's handled not being able to integrate Paul Millsap very well, playing alongside Jokic, and just – things like benching Jokic in fourth quarters of close games or that they could have won and ended up losing, I I think that the team will look at things like that as reasons for them losing more games than they should have and not making the playoffs. So good chance we don't have to deal with Mike Malone next year. Uh, Next game on the slate, the Indiana Pacers at the New Orleans Pelicans. I think this is another pretty strong stack spot. Pelicans playing at a very fast pace and... There could be some value on them also. And then from the Pacers' side of the game, uh, Darren Collison, 5,500. I still think he's worth rostering. He is moved back into the starting point guard role. Uh, Price a little down from what it was earlier and a really strong matchup. So he's worth rostering. Old Depot 8,200 I think is a good play in a really plus matchup for him. Miles Turner I think is GPP upside at six. 6- 800. From the Pelican side of the game, Drew Holiday is questionable to play. He missed Tuesday's game with an illness. It's pretty hard to know whether he's going to play or not tomorrow. I think that we're just too far removed from the game, and we haven't had any updates on him. If he's out, Rajon Rondo is probably the chalk play of the slate of 5,700. He had a monster game on Tuesday. A lot more minute security without Drew Holiday out. Bigger role for Etuan Moore, more uses for Anthony Davis. So I think there's a lot of good plays to be had here, and the pricing really didn't move that much from Tuesday night, despite a lot of big games.
1: Yeah, so Collison and Oladipo look like good plays no matter what happens, and then there could potentially be a lot of value on the Pelicans' side if we get any updates. I mean, Anthony Davis did sustain a leg injury in the game, so I would say maybe he doesn't play, but also there's no way the Pelicans are going to rule him out before Locke. Because they need to win these games and they generally haven't given us Davis updates early in the day. Maybe not no chance, but a slim chance. So even if Anthony Davis, Davis ends up sitting, I think worst case scenario at Lockheed's game time decision, which isn't any good for us. But if we assume I think he's
0: going to be a game time decision and now he played the entire second
1: half. No, I'm saying like the worst injury situation from his perspective is game time decision. He won't be doubtful or out before a lock they're going to do everything they can to get him to play i think he probably will play also
0: yeah i'm not too concerned about him playing uh it wasn't i, I think he just banged legs with somebody or whatever it didn't really seem to be anything serious then he came back and played fine in the second half
1: uh yeah i think he probably will be fine too drew holiday we'll just have to wait and see uh nikola Miretic is still priced down at 5600 um, we thought that he might get a little more usage and a little more minutes with Drew holiday out. And he actually did. He played 31 minutes, which is the most that he's played in basically a month, but he just didn't do very much. Um, if Holiday's not playing, I'm fine with Maricic again, because I think the Pelicans would just go with bigger lineups, um, instead of playing Etuan more at small forward, they play him at shooting guard and then they kind of just move everyone down a spot and then Miritich plays a little bit more. We'd have to know Holiday's out though, because I think Miritich is pretty risky if Holiday's in, and I think everything else kind of hinges on Holiday's status too.
0: Yeah, uh, I kind of overlooked Miritich because uh, he didn't have a particularly good game on Tuesday. Except, I do think he definitely makes sense if Holiday's out because they also need extra offense. So, and he should be playing over Oak before anyway. So, it's very weird too trade a first-round pick for somebody like Miritich, who's actually a decent player, and then sign a Mek Okafor to a, basically what was a non-guaranteed contract who hadn't been in the league for like four years and then start him over over Miritich. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think Miritich is a good play if Holiday's out. And then I wouldn't be on Miritich if Holiday's in. Is that the same for you?
1: Yeah, I think he could be worth looking at for a small percentage of lineups if um, if Holiday is in especially if you want to take the chance that Anthony Davis gets re-injured or something mid-game. So maybe as like a leverage play to non-Davis lineups, I'd throw in some Miritich. Um, if Holiday's out, though, I think Miritich is worth having a good amount of.
0: All right, final game on the slate, and this one is just a fade for me. The Washington Wizards at the San Antonio Spurs. Wizards are worse on the road, and generally not a team I target when they're on the road and then a really tough matchup in San Antonio from the Spurs side of the game, really the only guy who's been worth rostering for most slates has been LaMarcus Aldridge, but he's priced all the way up to 8,800. And despite a couple of big games recently, I think that's just a fair price for him. That's as expensive as he's been all year.
1: Yeah. I think that that's pretty reasonable. I don't have any interest in this game except for potentially Danny Green, who has gotten back into the starting lineup the last four games at 4,300, I think there is some decent value on him. Uh, not a lot of upside unless we're talking about FanDuel with all the potential defensive stats. He actually had a six-block game last week. But I think that he's just a little bit too cheap. So he's kind of a fringe play. I think he'd be someone to just have a little of for like the last spot in the lineup.
0: Uh, so Matt must have rostered him that night because he knows exactly how many defensive stats Danny Green had.
1: Well, I'm looking at his game log, but I did also roster him that night, yes.
0: All right, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at DFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense, and we'll be back for tomorrow's sleep.